and welcome to LA IVF Clinic's podcast series, Understanding Your Fertility, a podcast series specially curated to answer all your questions about fertility with fertility specialist, Dr. Aikut Bayrak, and I am your host, Ara Behagen. Today, we are discussing a very sensitive topic of stillbirth pregnancies. Unfortunately, the cause of many stillbirths are unknown. However, Dr. Byrak does talk about the causes and treatments that we do have control over. I think you'll find this episode as informative as I did. And if you have any further questions or comments that you would like us to address in future episodes, please email us at info at laivfclinic.com. And thank you for joining us. Hello, thank you for joining my conversation today with Dr. Byrak. Today we wanted to discuss something that was on the news fairly recently. Um, Many folks have probably heard about it by now, which is the pregnancy loss that the famous model Chrissy Teigen experienced. If you haven't heard what happened to her, I'll briefly mention that She and her husband, John Legend, suffered a pregnancy loss a few months ago. Now, they both shared this loss very openly and publicly on social media. So that's why we can mention it to you today. And her pregnancy loss came at about halfway into her pregnancy, where her son was actually stillborn. She also apparently had some placental complications as well. So I wanted to discuss this with you, Dr. Byrak, because I want to understand first, what exactly is stillbirth and what causes it? And what do they mean about the placental complications? So let's start off with the definition of stillbirth. And especially as opposed to comparing it to miscarriage, because I think sometimes I hear that those two terms used interchangeably. So I want to know what the difference is, what stillbirth is, and what the difference is between the two. Absolutely. Let's talk about that. So miscarriage is typically referred to a pregnancy loss in the first three months or first trimester. Mm -hmm. Typically goes until 12 or 14 weeks, depending on what type of definition you want to use. But it's typically uh, the the miscarriage is is an event of the first trimester, whereas a stillborn or stillbirth is typically a pregnancy loss due to the fetus just stopping its development after 20 weeks. So some people just generalize and use stillbirth after 20 weeks. And if it's before 20 weeks, they just simply call it a miscarriage. And um, and some people just use a pregnancy loss between the first trimester and kind of the second trimester as a second trimester loss. Mm, okay. So there are different ways of mm-hmm. defining and um, describing it, mm-hmm. but to keep it kind of simpler, it's um, uh, up to twenty weeks is just in general considered a pregnancy loss or a miscarriage mm-hmm. because. Um, most people uh, think that over 20 weeks is viability where the pregnancy or the fetus can somehow survive outside the uterus, although that really starts after 22, especially 23 weeks. And most viability is still set at 24 weeks mm. when the baby will be about a pound or somewhere between, you know, 
400 to 500 grams mm. where the baby, the fetus, can potentially live outside of the womb or the uterus. So that is the definition of stillbirth where the pregnancy was developing mm -hmm. and at some point, for some reason, something happened bad mm -hmm. and the baby stopped developing where the heartbeat stopped, which eventually will be detected either by the patient where if it's mm -hmm. later in pregnancy, the patient will say, I haven't felt the baby move for a while, right. which is always um, a red flag. Right. Uh, and uh, eventually the patient goes into the doctor's office. They don't hear the heartbeat. Mm -hmm. Eventually that's followed by an ultrasound, which then mm -hmm. confirms the absence mm -hmm. of the heartbeat, which then gives you the diagnosis of stillbirth, which is a devastating right. diagnosis because the pregnancy is just so advanced. And up until that time, everything's going so well. There's nothing wrong. Uh, oftentimes, mm -hmm. there's absolutely no symptom oftentimes. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, the baby starts developing. So that is a devastating complication of pregnancy, um, in my opinion. Right. Um, I have so many questions, but I, I want to make sure that I can stay focused. So did we just... So I guess we, we defined what stillbirth is, which is basically the fetus no longer surviving in the womb at this point correct so what are the causes what causes something like that to happen yeah so there are some risk factors that put people at risk for having a stillbirth and there are possible causes so we should separate those two okay, okay. so um well first of all stillbirth is not rare it can happen to one out of 160 deliveries mm. so it's not like it happens one in a once in a while or one in 10,000 births or something. So it's not uh, it's not an uncommon outcome, mm. actually, which is very unfortunate. So wait, you, you're saying the one out of 60 is, you're saying um, after the 20 weeks. So one out of 160 deliveries mm -hmm. after 20 weeks, right, gotcha. results in a stillbirth or about close to 24,000 deliveries mm. per year in the United States. Wow, wow. So, uh, and the numbers have been fairly the same for the last 15 plus years. So mm -hmm. the numbers are not de declining, numbers are not increasing. Mm -hmm. So they've been kind of stable for the last 15 plus years. So let's talk about the risk factors. Okay. So who's at risk mm -hmm. for having a stillbirth? Well, people who have multiple pregnancies, if you have twins or triplets, that is typically a complicated pregnancy right. and right. either one or more than one of those fetuses mm -hmm. can result in a stillbirth. Well, if you have a stillbirth in the past, which is the number one risk factor, and if you already had a stillbirth, then you're at risk for another stillbirth. Mm -hmm. So that is probably the most important risk factor. Now, interestingly enough, if somebody is carrying a male fetus, a boy, hmm. there's about 10% increased risk compared to a female fetus. Wow. Why is that happening? Absolutely no idea. Wow. But statistically speaking, for some reason, once again, hmm. uh, boys are at greater risk for having a stillbirth than, uh, than girls. Their other risk factor is related to the maternal age. So if somebody is less than age 15, mm -hmm. a teen, mm -hmm. a very young teen is at a greater risk mm -hmm. for having a stillbirth. If you are over 35, 
you are also at risk for having a stillbirth. So maternal age matters. Mm -hmm. And if you're more on the, I don't want to say the extremes, but less than 30, uh, greater than 35 or less than 15, mm -hmm. uh, does put you at risk for having a stillbirth. Now, the other risk factors, one of which is probably the most dramatic, mm -hmm. is maternal obesity. Oh, interesting. Huh. Yeah, maternal obesity. Well, obesity in general is a risk factor for every single disease that we know in medicine, mm -hmm. including COVID. Oh, right. That's right. That is the number yeah. one killer right. or risk factor when you get mm -hmm. COVID. Um, so obesity does put somebody at risk mm -hmm. for having a stillbirth. Other medical disorders like high blood pressure, diabetes, mm -hmm. having renal disease, mm -hmm. kidney problems, mm -hmm. having lupus, mm -hmm. other connective tissue disorders. If you have uncontrolled thyroid disorders, if you have clotting disorders, meaning if your body has more tendency to clot mm -hmm. than bleed, then you're at a greater risk for having a stillbirth. Mm -hmm. What are the other risk factors? Uh, smoking is a risk factor. If you're smoking half a pack a day or more, that is a risk factor in itself. Right. Any type of illicit drug use, mm -hmm. is substance abuse, any one of those is an independent mm -hmm. risk factor. If your pregnancy is post-term, meaning you're 41 weeks, you're 42 weeks, you're 43 weeks, as we know, oh. term pregnancy is 40 weeks, right, from mm -hmm. your last period. So. If you're past your due date, hmm. that is a risk factor in itself. Now, does that mean that once you're at your due date, we should deliver you? Not necessarily, but we should keep an eye on you mm -hmm. and do testing, make sure the baby is still moving around, it's mm -hmm. healthy, getting enough oxygen and blood, mm -hmm. but it is a risk factor. Hmm. Last not least is people with infertility. If mm -hmm. you have infertility, you are at a greater risk for having a stillborn. Why is that happening? Probably the same cause why you have infertility. Mm. So whether you have male or female infertility or you have a, a complex infertility of some kind, if you have genetic issues, then you are at risk for having a stillborn. Okay. So these are all the risk factors, meaning if you have obesity, you're at a greater risk compared to somebody who's not overweight or obese. And by the way, being overweight is also a risk factor, not just obesity. Oh, so right. If so you're a... see, right. So if your BMI is over 30, mm -hmm. that means you're obese. Oh, but if your BMI is between 36 uh, and, mm -hmm. you know, 30, uh, 29 or 30, then you're overweight, mm -hmm. which is more than half of the population in the United States, right? So you're, <laughs> you're at risk right. for having a stillbirth. Wow. So, so these are all the risk factors. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the causes. Okay. Meaning, is there a specific cause that results in a stillborn. Mm -hmm. So there's a concept called intrauterine growth restriction or a lack of good development during pregnancy. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? Well, let's say you're 24 weeks pregnant, mm -hmm. but the baby is measuring 20 weeks. So your pregnancy is measuring or you're gaining weights and all the signs and symptoms and all the findings are showing us that you're actually almost looking like 20 weeks. Hmm. And we follow you and you're 28 weeks based on your dates and uh, all calculations, and the baby is still behind in its weight and development. That means there is intrauterine 
inside the uterus, mm -hmm. growth restriction, growth problem. Baby's just not growing mm. for whatever reason mm -hmm. it is. That in itself is a risk factor, is a major risk factor for stillbirth. So if there's any issues, any suspicion, any findings where there's intrauterine growth restriction, one has to look out for stillbirth. And uh, automatically, if somebody has growth restriction, their doctor actually will closely follow them. And at some point, they will deliver that baby, oftentimes prematurely, thinking that at some point, that baby's not going to survive. So you just limit and um, make sure you eliminate that inevitable outcome. Oh, so that is, what, that is a significant issue. The other thing is something called placental abruption. Mm. This is an obstetrical, uh, which means pregnancy-related, mm -hmm. emergency. So if somebody has pain and bleeding mm -hmm. in the second and third trimesters, once again, pain and bleeding, most likely they have placental abruption. What does that mean? Well, that means that the placenta is separating from the uterus that it's connected to prematurely because it should not be separating. Mm. It should be attached until after the baby is born. But if it's prematurely separating, well, then the blood uh, supply to the baby is going to cut off, be cut off. If there's no blood supply through the umbilical cord to the baby, the baby's going to die. That is a devastating complication and that is an obstetrical emergency oftentimes patient will come into the emergency room or to labor and deliver and say i have excessive pain and i'm bleeding mm -hmm. that almost automatically equals to an immediate cesarean delivery mm -hmm. to save the baby so that is one risk factor for stillbirth mm -hmm. unfortunately i have st i have seen stillbirths in my career mm -hmm. especially during my training years when i did mm -hmm. obstetrics where People would just show up sometimes and it's just too late. And uh, unfortunately, the, the damage has already occurred. Wow. The other causes, in a way, uh, include chromosomal and genetic problems. Mm -hmm. What are these problems? Well, there are thousands of genetic problems that can result in stillbirth. And majority of them are poorly understood, studied, and known. And in most cases, we don't really know the cause of stillbirth still wow yeah so we do a whole workup uh -huh. and which will i talk about in a few minutes right. and we still don't know why it happened which is even further frustrating because when we talk to a couple or individual and who has just lost a baby right. and they say why did this happen mm -hmm. and we have we sometimes tell. absolutely no idea anyway oh, but the ones that we can identify are number one down syndrome down syndrome can result in a stillbirth. Huh. Turner syndrome, which is missing one of the chromosomes mm -hmm. on the, um, uh, one of the uh, X chromosomes is missing okay. in Turner syndrome. Mm -hmm. In yeah. Down syndrome, as we know, there are 47 chromosomes mm -hmm. as opposed to 46. Mm -hmm. Other chromosome issues such as trisomies, having extra chromosomes, can result in stillbirth mm -hmm. uh, deliveries. Um, and this is important in the sense that we oftentimes do an ultrasound to see if there are anatomical malformations around 18 to 22 weeks. And if there is an anatomical problem that is identified by ultrasound, majority of the time when there's a stillborn, there is a chromosomal problem. So, and that is interesting in itself in the sense that if there's an anatomical issue, 
most of the time the doctor will recommend genetic or chromosomal testing. Mm. And if there is such an issue, there is a greater risk that that pregnancy is going to result in a stillbirth. So that's important to know. Mm -hmm. And the doctors will obviously counsel the patients accordingly. But most ratios, most of the patients will actually not have an anatomical deformity mm -hmm. when they have a stillbirth. Mm -hmm. So that in itself is further tricky. And right. the, the risk of chromosomal and genetic abnormalities in the absence of anatomical disorders is very low. Meaning if the anatomy is good, mm -hmm. ultrasound is normal, mm -hmm. and there's a stillbirth, you just can majority of the time, let's put it that way, majority of the time, you cannot find any identifiable chromosomal or genetic problem, which adds to the big mystery, puzzle and right. the big, big mystery. Exactly. Right? Oh, that's frustrating. That is quite frustrating. Now, the last few things are, number one, infections. If somebody's an infection, oftentimes a viral infection, some kind of bacterial vaginal infection, mm -hmm. that can actually inflame and infect the placenta, the uterus, and the fetus. And that can cause a stillbirth. Mm -hmm. And the last, not least, that typically that we absolutely know of is cord abnormalities, umbilical cord abnormalities. If the cord is not ins inserted or um, is attached, I should say, in the correct position into the placenta, or there is a vascular abnormality. Mm as opposed to having the three vessels, some people can have two vessels in the umbilical cord. That is absolutely a known cause mm -hmm. of stillbirth. Now, does that um, come from chromosomal or genetic abnormalities having a, it know, can. a cord? Okay. It absolutely can. It or can be a genetic abnormality okay. or it can be an isolated abnormality. Mm -hmm. Once right. again, this is almost like a puzzle, and oftentimes we are not able to solve the puzzle. Mm. But wow. once again, the, the main causes are growth mm. problems, abruption, mm -hmm. chromosomal or genetic issues, infections, or umbilical cord abnormalities. But I think one thing that we should uh, emphasize is the risk factors. Mm. And the number one risk factor that we can actually control for is obesity, obesity and medical disorder. So these are right. all the the major causes. Right. So if you, um, I'm sure just my guess is that you've had patients come in in the past with um, maybe previous uh, stillbirths and even previous miscarriages. So, but specifically stillbirth, how, what would you, how would you normally treat them? Or what would you um, go through as far as the workup is concerned and and how you, you would treat it. Right. So um, first of all, um, uh, we obviously uh, agree with the patient. Mm -hmm. So that's really a devastating um, outcome. So that's really a sad, sad uh, medical story there. So first thing we do is uh, we make sure we evaluate the patient, you know, head to toe, A to Z, make sure um they have a healthy diet, they have a healthy lifestyle. Uh, uh, we try to get rid of bad habits. Uh, if they're already obese, we significantly want to reduce the weight because mm -hmm. that is the, one of the major, major risk factors for stillbirth. Um, so those are all the things that we do. Number two, we look at medical problems and try to correct the medical problems. If somebody has High blood pressure, we treat the high blood pressure. If somebody has thyroid problems, lupus, kidney issues, you want to treat all medical issues. 
if somebody has some type of history of stroke in their family at a young age, we want to make sure that we screen them for clotting problems. Mm -hmm. And we also screen them for infectious diseases. Mm -hmm. We also check their chromosomes, carry status for genetic diseases. And, and basically, uh, that's kind of our workup. Mm -hmm. And, and I'll be honest with you, um, more times than not, we don't identify anything. Mm. We don't really find anything in this workup. Oftentimes, the the workup is negative. Mm. Now, we obviously treat a lot of infertility cases in our clinic. That's kind of what we do. Mm -hmm. And there is some correlation with infertility and stillbirth, especially in those women who have certain abnormalities in their embryos. I had over the years a number of cases where Patients had either poor pregnancy outcome or history of stillbirth or second trimester loss or early labor, and they came in for IVF. And when we do IVF, we oftentimes find low-quality embryos oh. or the embryos that make their, uh, their, their, um, their fetuses oftentimes have a low rating. Uh, they also have a lot of chromosomal and genetic abnormalities on their uh, genetic tests. And one interesting thing that we have observed is there are two parts of the embryo at the final stage. The cells that make the outer aspect of the embryo are called TE cells, and they make the placenta. And in some of these women, for some reason, these cells are not well developed, which which then makes it suspicious that the placenta is unhealthy. And if the placenta is unhealthy, the baby is going to be unhealthy. So there's much research to be done, obviously, in this. But in the IVF practice, uh, because we have access to the embryos, we actually are able to see which embryos are looking normal, which ones are abnormal. So that is certainly one area that has to be, you know, a research, a research further. But uh, you know, the the other common question, in, in addition to testing, is, you know, doctor, what can I do mm. if I'm mm. pregnant? spontaneously, or I I do IVF. I take it to the next level, Uh and I test for Down syndrome, I have chromosomal problems and genetic issues. I try to control everything that I can within my reach. And then I get pregnant, and you put in an embryo that is healthy and good and chromosomally tested. What further I can do? What should I do Mm. more? Mm -hmm. So um, there is certainly more surveillance during pregnancy. We call that antepartum surveillance which is close follow-up. Mm-hmm. So somebody has a stillbirth, they'll automatically see a maternal fetal specialist, a maternal fetal medicine specialist, right. or high-risk obstetrician gynecologist. Mm-hmm. And they'll do serial ultrasounds and blood work in the second and th- uh, third trimesters. They'll do something called NSD, non-stress test, taking a look at the heartbeat of the baby, look at the variability, look at the uh, weight gain of the mm-hmm. baby, whether the baby is developing or not, or have growth restriction because that's a major issue, and try to improve all the medical conditions. One thing that the patients can do is follow up with their doctor closely, get rid of the bad habits. Mm-hmm. Um, and while they're pregnant, one thing that they can do is check for fetal movements, fetal kicks in a way. Mm-hmm. And this is important in the third trimester. So if the baby's not moving that much, and this is very subjective, by the way. Mm-hmm. There's some kick counts, like you have to feel maybe 10 times, maybe over a year, an hour or two, but it is very, very subjective. Mm-hmm. So, but in general, if somebody's more conscious about the baby's movement, mm-hmm. and if the baby's moving less, 
once again, subjectively, they should communicate with their physician immediately because eventually the baby will not move, right? So that is an extremely important way of monitoring, in my opinion, especially in the last month. If the baby is moving less and you have a history of stillbirth, you got to get in and deliver that baby early. That is one key management for delivery. But anyway, this is certainly a very complicated, certainly something that's very sad to talk about. So we certainly understand and and empathize with Mm -hmm. those individuals who have not only had miscarriages, but also have a history of stillbirth. But I would say communicate with your doctor, go in for a consultation, get your testing done, minimize your risk factors. And when you're pregnant, follow up very, very closely with an expert. Great. Thank you, Dr. Byrak. That's really enlightening because um, it's helpful to know this kind of information, especially if there is anything we can do to, as far as preventative measures. But it sounds like it, it's tough that there are some things we can do, some things we have control over, and um, we still might suffer still stillbirth. So thank you as always, Dr. Byrak. Um, it was extremely informative. And, and to all of you, please send us your questions. If you have any questions that you would like Dr. Byrak to answer on the podcast, please email info at laivfclinic.com and put the words, my fertility questions in the subject line. And you can find out more about Dr. Byrak and LAIVF by visiting our website at www.laivfclinic.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook at LAIVF Clinic. And thank you for listening. Understanding Your Fertility is created by LAIVF. Please note that this podcast is intended for a broad understanding of the topics presented. It does not substitute for the medical advice or care of a physician-patient relationship. Podcast listeners should always consult with their healthcare provider regarding any medical condition that requires professional attention. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If the information on this podcast was useful for you, feel free to share it.